Is there anything on my butt? <laughs> when I played basketball in high school, one year there was a girl on my team who was always asking this question. Is there anything on my butt? And then of course she'd turn around so we could see. Now for some, this might feel like an odd question to ask, but for those of us who have or have ever had a period, we totally get the need to ask. The fear, the horror, the anxiety of having leakage seep onto your clothes where other people can see without you knowing is 100% real. And when you have a period and you also play sports where you're running, twisting, jumping, and all that stuff, the risks of leakage rise. Now let's face it, when you're playing sports, you want to be focused on performing at a high level. Athletes don't need the added pressure of period anxiety associated with leakage on their uniforms. So this summer, I was thrilled, capital thrilled, thrilled when I saw an article that noted how all the teams in the FIFA Women's World Cup tournament this year had ditched white shorts for the women players. One player for England, Lauren Hemp, told reporters the change was a massive step in the right direction. She added, we can now feel comfortable when sometimes we might not have been if it was your time of the month. She continued, it's great to move away from the white shorts, not having that worry and focusing on the game. Other sports teams are starting to follow suit. The Irish rugby team changed the color of their shorts, opting to move away from white to a darker color. And Wimbledon and tennis relaxed their rules, making it so women can now wear dark colored shorts underneath their required all white outfits. We're gonna get into why this whole thing is relevant to marketers and business leaders after this short break. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so this whole thing about changing the uniform in women's sports so they can definitely not wear white, but wear dark bottoms is significant because it really just goes to a core principle of having people with lived experiences not only on your team, but with decision-making power. Now, clearly, these are women's sports, but that doesn't mean women are the only ones working on the teams, in administration, or even in leadership. Now, I don't know who the parties were that started this ripple effect of changing the uniforms, but I have to believe it came about once there were women in power who could do something about it. I cannot fathom a woman who has had a period and played sports where the thought of not wanting to wear a white or light-colored uniform during that time of the month has ever crossed their mind. But if you aren't someone who has had a period, it's easy to see why that thought may have never crossed your mind. It's not your lived experience, and it's not something that may have come up in the line of questioning or on a discussion guide during market research. Now, I admit, I'm generalizing here and taking liberties based upon my lived experience. 
So I went and took a quick poll in a group chat that I'm in of just women. And then I also did this poll on Facebook. And I asked women specifically, sports, white shorts, on your period. What's the first thought that comes to mind? One woman responded, hard no. Another comment was, don't do it. And another one was, that would be a no. Another said, no. Another person responded, child, please. Still another commenter, flashbacks, and she mentioned the high school that she went to. Uniforms, softball pants, uh, it bugs me. Please change it. Someone else said, no, not at all. Another woman, no. Another woman, no. (laughs) No, absolutely not. White shorts, what? That was a comment. Don't do it from another person. Nope, from another person. Nope, from another person, hard no. And another one responded, definitely not. And they had an emoji with like the the arms thrown up with a cross sign, like absolutely not, absolutely not, no way. (laughs) I mean, over and over and over and over and over again, women were responding with the exact same answers. And the answer was, this is an absolutely not. Like, why are we even considering this? We all know this is just an absolutely not. So in essence, what is immediately known and obvious to people with lived experiences is not so obvious and needs to be discovered or learned by people who don't have those lived experiences. And in a business sense, not being aware of those obvious things could cost you sales, conversions, and a sense of belonging with your brand. As a marketer, it is essential that you have people with lived experience, people who have the identities of the people you want to serve on your team. Not only can they speak up and ensure you have the insights you need to ensure you're delivering experiences that make the people you want to serve feel like they belong, but they can also provide clear guidance feedback, and understanding about what decisions work and don't work for the communities you want to serve and why. Now, when you don't have people with lived experiences from the communities that you want to serve, when you don't have those identities represented on your team, I'm not saying that you'll never capture those insights, but you leave it up to a discovery and market research process that isn't always designed to capture that form of cultural intelligence. Now, I understand every brand can't go out right now and just change up their personnel. You don't build a diverse and representative team overnight. But what you can do is partner and collaborate with people who are part of those communities as you work to diversify your team. That could be in the form of consultants and suppliers. Now, the key is to ensure you've got people at the table that you are paying, by the way. Let's be clear about that. If you want to know more about why, go listen to episode 22, Common Ways Brands Treat Diverse Talent Like Unpaid Consultants and What to Do Instead. I'll link that up in the show notes for you. Okay, so you want to make sure that you've got people at the table who have the identities and the lived experiences of the people in the communities that you want to serve. Okay, we'll talk about another thing brands can do as they work to build a representative team after this short break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. 
well with the server solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. All marketing teams, whether or not your team is representative today, does need to focus on having proximity to the consumers and the communities that you want to serve. So whenever I worked in corporate, um, my last corporate job was uh, I worked for Johnson & Johnson and we had an insulin pump for people with diabetes. Now, I was at this particular operating company for four years and throughout my four-year tenure, we always had people on our marketing team that had diabetes and who used the insulin pumps that we were actually producing. Why do we do this? We've had a great team of wonderful, strong marketers, but as marketers, there were still plenty of things about the experience of having diabetes, of being a part of the community, of the day-to-day, that even though we were close to the community, we had a lot of great proximity to them, that we were never really just gonna understand on our own. There was even a point in time where me and some of my colleagues, we wore the insulin pump and we went through the process of checking our blood sugar several times a day, pricking our fingers, inserting the needles uh, and, and walking around with the tubing for the insulin pump. Like we went through all the motions, but even though we were simulating what it was like to be a person on our insulin pump and what it was like for our consumers that simulation and and that proximity still was never able to take the place of people who had actual lived experiences. And we needed to work together to be able to produce marketing that made the customers and the people that we're serving feel like they belong. Proximity is very important and proximity can get you very far but proximity does not take the place of actually having lived experience. Now, I lived in Argentina for four years. I speak Spanish. I have an Argentine husband. I have an Afro-Latina daughter. I've done a lot of research on Latino customers in the U.S. I've done a lot of research on Hispanic consumers in the U.S. I've done direct market research with Latino consumers and have consulted with brands on how to reach Latino consumers. I even have a Spanish language translation team. I've got all this proximity to the Latino community and a lot of knowledge, but I am not Latina. Never have been, never will be. I am Black. Always have been, always will be. Now, because of my proximity to the Latino community, I know a lot. I see a lot. I understand a lot. However, there's still a ton that I don't know, and some things I will probably never know because I don't have the lived experience of someone in the community, which means in some instances, there are things I don't even know to ask unless something brings it to my attention that makes me curious. I always, always, always recommend that brands take the time to build relationships with people who are part of the communities they want to serve. Spend time with them, learn about them, do market research with them, 
you will learn tons. And this is especially important for everyone on your team to have a degree of intimacy with the customers that you want to serve. But make no mistakes, even with a ton of proximity, lived experiences are unmatched. You need people on your team to have that cultural intelligence, to have that customer intimacy, and you also need people with lived experiences on your team, working with your team and in leadership on your team. Now, it's not enough to just identify a problem or something that isn't working so well for your customers. People on your team also need to have the power, authority, and safety, psychological safety, to do something about it. Another wonderful reason to have a representative team that includes people with lived experiences who are part of the communities that you want to serve is that it means that you aren't just extracting from a community. A lot of brands, unfortunately, engage in extraction marketing. Instruction marketing is really whenever they target marginalized communities just for the purpose of getting them to buy more of their stuff. They don't care about the community, aren't fully invested in their success, aren't invested in dismantling any systems that keep them oppressed or that make them marginalized. They're just interested in getting sales from that community. No bueno, no bueno at all. Consumers from underrepresented and underserved communities don't want this either. They are rejecting the brands that are showing up to get the community to invest in the brand with their dollars by buying their stuff without the brand also investing in relevant and meaningful jobs for people within the community. If you are truly inclusive, having a representative team with people who are part of the communities that you want to serve, that's one very big way that you can demonstrate how inclusive you are. If you want to learn more about extraction marketing and why it is not the business, tune into episode 14. Are you taking more than you give? I'll link it up for you in the show notes. Okay. And perhaps from a brand perspective, what I'm about to tell you is a major reason to ensure you have a representative team. When you have a team that includes people with lived experiences who are parts of the communities that you want to serve, when you have a diverse and representative team, you will produce better work. Jerry Dakin is the global head of media at Beam Suntory. Now, he told me, Jerry was a guest on this show. I'll link up his episode in the show notes. He says, if you, our industry was more representative, we'd probably produce better work. Matthew Sang, who was also a guest on this show, not once, but twice. I'll link both of those up in the show notes. He is the co-founder of Anne Humanity, an inclusive marketing agency based in Vancouver. He told me about a Nike commercial that had so much cultural insight baked into it that it made him feel seen, it made him get emotional, and it made him feel like he belonged. It made him want to go out and buy a pair of Nikes. He explained why, noting that a representative team made the ad so powerful. He says, never have I seen a Lunar New Year ad really depict exactly the type of customs and traditions that I grew up having. I just felt so seen. You would never, without having that lived experience, you couldn't read that insight and know how to create a script around it. Creative briefs that are filled with insights of the communities you want to serve are a fantastic thing to do 
definitely they are needed. But there's a big difference between bringing to life something that you've read in a creative brief and bringing to life something that you know to be true to your soul because it's something that you've experienced for yourself. Two very different things. If your goal is to be an inclusive brand, having people on your team with lived experiences of the communities you want to serve needs to be a priority. That's it for today's episode. If you like the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. And also share it with a friend, colleague, and or your network. It really does go a long way toward helping more people discover the show and for helping more people practice inclusion in their marketing. One other question for you before we leave. Are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? If not, like really, what are you actually doing? (laughs) Each week I send stories, news, tips, and other insights to help you build an inclusive brand that helps you grow, that helps more people feel like they belong, and it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Go to inclusionandmarketing.com slash newsletter to get signed up. I will drop a link to that in the show notes so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember... Everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.